welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? The biggest crowd ever in the 43-year history of the WNBL. Danielle Scott lands the highest scoring jump of her aerials career and netballer Gretel Boweta announces she will miss the upcoming World Cup due to pregnancy. For our key story, we'll discuss the controversial partnership between Visit Saudi and the upcoming FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. My name is Chloe Dalton. I play AFLW for the GWS Giants and I won an Olympic gold medal in rugby sevens one time. I'm joined every week on the show by my co-host Bez, who is one of our incredible team members here at TFAP, looking after all of the merch, research, all the things, um, as well as our amazing team that pull everything together that you guys get to listen in your ears and see on your socials and in your weekly newsletters, which you can subscribe to by the link in the show notes. It drops every Tuesday morning at 6am along with this podcast. So you can listen or read with your Tuesday morning coffee. Let's take a look around the grounds. In basketball, rocks and diamonds for the Southside Flyers on the weekend. Rocks and diamonds. I don't get it. You know, rocks and diamonds? What is this like? Okay, and here's a new segment. Teach Chloe Australian vernacular, maybe? I think it's a generational thing. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. What's rocks and diamonds? Like a rock under high pressure turns into a diamond. Yeah. Yes. Rocks and diamonds. So good and bad. Okay. Okay. Simply yeah. good and bad. Great. Wow. Anyway, good and bad for the Southside Flies over the weekends. <laughs> So, as we all know, sport can be absolutely so wonderful and absolutely so cruel all at once. On Saturday night, the wonderful was a WNBL record crowd of 7,681 spectators that jammed into John Kane Arena in Melbourne to see the GOAT and her Flyers teammates take on the Sydney Flames. I can see you want to buzz in here. Go. Well, I was just actually thinking, it is 43 years of the competition, right? Because when I wrote that in the intro, I was like, I think it's 43. I probably should double check. Like that's pretty You're cool. You're going to make a joke about a generational broken. thing here, seeing as though I am 44, so it's even. So you weren't even born yet. <laughs> well, no, I was. Do the math. Wait, how old are you? 44. Oh, I was thinking you were younger. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. That's pretty cool that they broke that record over four decades old. So good. And I think the previous record was 7,500 in Adelaide, um, but like in the 90s, 95, wow. like when basketball was having its full heyday in, yeah, in cool. Australia. I know heyday. Good. Um, obviously, the atmosphere was electric, but sadly, LJ only lasted a few seconds. She limped off the court in tears after suffering a partial tear in her right Achilles. She did return to the bench to cheer on the Flyers, but they fell just short, going down 67-68 to the Flames. Can you believe the Flames got up? How good? No. So just a little side note in there, I believe um, Charlie Hill's off to Townsville Fire. Yes, there's been a lot of discussion on social media about the fact that she can just kind of transfer from the Flames mid-season to Townsville and not still be not eligible. Even mid-season, like there's like three rounds left before finals. Is that all there is left? Not many, like three or four, I want to say. I, I think the eligibility criteria for finals is a, at least a third of the season. And so she actually flew over and had to play, was it the Wednesday night game in Perth, yeah. in order to be eligible for finals. Wow. Interesting. There's Interesting. Still, still a lot to be said about the heel and flame relationship, it seems. I think there's a lot to come out there. After the match, Jackson said the injury wasn't related to the broken foot she has been playing with since December. 
and spoke about the record crowd saying this was absolutely incredible. Too part of it was just magic, but it was a shame I couldn't play more than 10 seconds. The The good news is that it's not my broken foot, it's the other leg. The Flyers have revealed she won't require surgery on her Achilles, but there is no chance of her playing again this WNBL season. She's confirmed that she will require surgery on her broken foot in the offseason and has not ruled out returning for another season, which is very exciting. On on that, sorry to jump in again. I'm kind of torn with this because I feel sad for her that she's returned to that space like she did for a lot of her career where she had to persevere through injuries. But then there's this other part of me where you can tell she's so aware of the impact that she's having on the game that she's just putting her body on the line once again. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And she, you can see that, that she's, like you said, she's aware of the impact she's having mm. on the sport. And she obviously works for Basketball Australia. Yes. So she's got an invested interest there. Yeah, true. Very true. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, she will get surgery on her broken foot, but she said that, uh, in, in regards to kind of playing one more, I was always waiting to see how the surgery on my fractured, fractured foot in the off-season goes before making a decision on my future. That is still my plan to wait and see how I recover from this injury and the surgery on my foot before I look at my future. While my season is over, I will continue to be part of the team and help where I can to ensure we continue to work to earn the success we are capable of. So it might have been the last time we see the GOAT on the court which would be absolutely heartbreaking given how well she's been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is hope. Um, so uh, just last week before the injury, she said, I don't want to finish. I want to play as long as I can. So let it be so, go. Let it be so. The Flyers lost saw them slip to third on the ladder with the Melbourne Boomers on top due to a better for and against than second place Townsville Fire. The Melbourne Boomers had a big win against fourth place Bendigo Spirit on Sunday afternoon with Kayla George dropping 27 points in the 115-72 victory. George signed a deal last week with the Las Vegas Aces and we're joining the reigning champions for the upcoming WNBA season. It was a huge week of signings in the WNBA, wasn't it? Exciting for, for Kayla to be going to play with the likes of Kelsey Plum and Aja Wilson. I'm a little bit jealous about that. It's pretty cool. You just be like, hey, hi, Kayla. Hey. Need a bag carrier? Yeah. Hey. Can hold your baby. <laughs> Maybe she does need a babysitter. <laughs> In winter sports, Danielle Scott landed the highest scoring jump of her outstanding career, landing a lay full, full, double twisting, triple back summer sculpt, summer sculpt, <laughs> to score 115.2 points on Sunday and secure the gold medal at the World Cup aerial stop in Deer Valley. Makes me dizzy just reading that. Well, I obviously got a bit dizzy. <laughs> Trying to say it. Yeah. The win means that Danny is back in the top spot on the overall World Cup rankings with two events remaining. Scott was stoked saying after the event, I really set myself out on a mission to get triples going and I ended up doing one of the biggest jumps I've ever done. It's been exciting. I had a bit of a slow start to the season with my ski bag being lost. So I've had different skis every week and we were hoping to do triples a bit sooner and it was just a bit of a shambles. Isn't that – that's stressful. Like I feel like if your footy boots got lost on the plane, it's kind of annoying but you can like get used to it. You're a professional athlete. Surely that's one thing you take in your hand luggage, isn't it? Footy boots, absolutely. Yeah. You can't take your skis in your hand luggage. Good point. (laughs) But (laughs) – not having your own skis, I imagine, is a lot more scary and a lot more stressful. Especially when you're doing full, full, double twisting back triple somersaults. That's exactly right. That's what Summer they always sculpts. say. Summer sculpts. Um, 
So the fact that she's kind of returned to do the triples and and performed so well to get a career best high score is, is really, really cool. Um, she talked about the variables like wind and conditions, but everything went to plan. She said, high risk, high reward, as they always say. Mogul skiers Jakara Anthony also won gold in Deer Valley. She is unstoppable, Jakara. It was her fourth World Cup gold out of a possible five so far this season. She scored 80.15 points with another sublime display of skiing with Jalen Kolf in second on 77.35 and Perrine Lafont third with 77.17. Anthony has been so dominant that the win means she has taken an unassailable lead in the season rankings and will claim her third crystal globe as overall World Cup leader. I can't believe she's locked that in already. Yeah, she's absolutely killing it. How good. In netball, over the weekend, Aussie Diamonds shooter Gretel Boweta confirmed she will miss the upcoming World Cup as she is pregnant. Boweta shared that she had suffered a heartbreaking miscarriage last year and spoke about that when announcing her pregnancy this time. Going through a miscarriage is not nice at all, but we're just so grateful we've fallen pretty quickly. It never gets easy when you go to the scans. You have a bit of nervous energy. My heart goes out to women who experience fertility issues because it's awful. But the support that I felt during that time was huge. So it was a, obviously a very emotional process for Boweta, who experienced firsthand what it's like to have to announce a pregnancy early to explain her absence from the Diamonds squad. Yeah, it's really tricky, isn't it, for an athlete in that situation? Because a lot of the time people won't often even tell close family and friends sometimes to that 12-week mark because of that miscarriage risk. But it's this really – like we obviously – are seeing more and more influential figures speak out about their experience, whether it's infertility, miscarriage, a whole range of different factors. But it's it's so tricky for an athlete in that position, not to be forced to share it, but when your body is your job, there's an element of having to share that news early. Yeah. So she obviously announced that early because she was going to miss out on the upcoming Constellation Cup series as well as the 2023 Super Netball season. And sadly, she experienced the miscarriage like a week later after yeah. going going social on that. Um, so she subsequently had to share the news on that publicly too. Um, we spoke, you spoke to Gretel on the podcast, and during that chat, we discussed her pioneering work for mothers in netball. She's done some really good work in that space, hasn't she? Yeah, I loved. She talked about the fact that she'd watched Alex Morgan, the US um, soccer player, go through that process and then return to playing, and how much she had kind of idolized Alex in that process. And we, we kind of talked about that, how cool it was that she was looking at someone overseas and she can now be a pioneer in a way. She's obviously not the first woman to do it, but she's quite a high profile figure, particularly in the netball space. And I think it's really cool to see the way that Netball Queensland and Netball Australia have handled it to allow her to continue her career without a huge range of hiccups. Like she performed to, she returned to perform incredibly well mm. after the first baby. She said, I had so many open conversations with Netball Queensland along the way and their support has just been amazing. It shows that Netball is definitely leading the way in this space for women. She also spoke about how exciting it was to see tennis stars like Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka announce their pregnancies. She said, I think that's really exciting for young girls coming through to know if they want to be a mother and choose to be a professional athlete, the support is there for them. So there's definitely been some progress in some sports. As we've spoken about, I think just two weeks ago, other sports and some professional clubs out there maybe aren't so quick in moving forward on in this space. But, um, yeah, I was thinking maybe we need to contract out Gretel to other <laughs> sports while she's on a mat leave. I think she'd be quite good at yeah. it. This is how it needs to be done. 100%. Sorted out ASAP. Yeah. 
Um, the loss of Weta will be a big blow for Australia's gold medal hopes at the World Cup. But Coach Stacey Marinkovic believes that she has amp, ample depth. And given how well Sophie Garvin played in the recent quad series, it would be very hard to argue with her. Very true. In a bit of social media news, I love, we love stats and data here at TFAP in case you didn't know about it. Aston Villa and Swiss football star Alicia Lehman claimed a scalp from one of the greatest athletes of all time recently when she surpassed Roger Federer's number of Instagram followers. She now boasts a huge 11.4 million followers, overtaking Federer's 11.2 million and in the process has established herself as the platform's most popular Swiss athlete. And like that is, it's Roger Federer. Yeah, it's He huge. is an icon. It is. Female athletes have taken it upon themselves to grow their profile in sport through social media channels, given how slow the mainstream media has been to embrace women's sport. It's pretty amazing to see athletes like Lehman find other ways to connect with the public. It's, it's this real balance, isn't it? We, we know how hard female athletes have to work a lot of the time to actually get any form of recognition, exposure, and to build their own brand. There's this really cool report that was recently carried out by Sports Pro and Core Software called The Battle of the Brands, and it assessed the effectiveness of brand promotion on social media and provides a deeper understanding of which companies are receiving the most bang for their sports marketing buck. The report indicates that just 7% of the US $30 billion spent globally on sponsorships is directed towards sportswomen. It's also well documented that less than 5% of sports coverage in the media includes women, despite females making up around 44% of all sports participation. Oh, these numbers, that they were really similar numbers to when we started TFAB and why we started TFAB. 100%. That's exactly the proof is right there, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes it's a little bit sad to see that the numbers still aren't great um, in that media coverage and, and the sponsorship piece as well. It's encouraging to see that, like you said, these female athletes now are actually taking it into their own hands. Mm. And like we, we've spoken about, obviously, you know, your desire to start this this platform, there's so many others out there and they're all doing amazing work and we just all need to get behind each other. Why is that? Because a rising tide lifts all boats. I was hoping you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. I had Tick. no doubt. The return on investment, the ROI, for companies investing in female sport and athletes is huge in comparison to the same sort of investment in male athletes. The report shows that top female players across a wide cross-section of sports generated around $1 million each for their sponsors with 2022 social media posts. NASCAR driver Haley Deegan and tennis icon Serena Williams led the pack after generating US $1.7 million each in 2022. The report also shows that female tennis stars playing on the WTA are hitting aces on social media too. Some of your best work. Female tennis athletes generated 10% more value than their male counterparts last year on socials. Just shows you that ROI is so important and any intelligent brand right now has to be looking at female athletes and female sports you have to be how do you know how they calculated what the roi from the social post i should have a read of it yeah it's um it was a fancy word pretty much for the social media thing they the report measured the adjusted ad value that's it by aav yeah nice i remembered the tla but i didn't remember (laughs) the words The three-letter acronym (laughs) so the two factors were the prominence of brand logos in images and text and post engagement. 
It also evaluated deliberate brand mentions, meaning a more intentional name drop in a post text. I think the post engagement is a really big one, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, right. I love that. Okay. Post engagement, obviously, you know, we all know about the algorithm and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing that actually gets the post seen. Absolutely. In golf. On the weekend, Australia, Sarah Jane Smith became the fourth female golfer to win a mixed gender event on a recognised professional tour when she dominated the field at the TPS Golf Tournament event at Cobram Baruga. Smith finished the tournament at 20 under par, five shots clear of Andrew Martin and Shay Wools Cobb, who finished tied for second. It was the second win for a female on the TPS tour in two weeks. South Korean Min A Yoon won in Rosebud last week. Smith thrived on the opportunity to play against female and male opponents, noting that the last couple of years have been pretty rough, so any kind of win is great. But the guys have been so incredible. I've just been so fortunate to play with the nicest guys in the last few weeks that I've played with. Australian golf is in good hands with the young guys coming through. I'm loving these mixed tournaments in golf. I think it's an awesome initiative and it's even more awesomer to see the chicks winning. It is more awesomer. Yeah. In Rugby League, the Harvey Norman Cup kicked off on the weekend and round one was played with the uncertainty of an unsigned CBA still hanging over the players. On the field, the big winners were the Canterbury Bulldogs who crushed St. George 54-4. But off the field, the debate continues and there is no sign of a resolution to the current standoff between the NRL and the RLPA. The major sticking points in the negotiations are that the players want a seat at the table with decisions that impact their work conditions. Amongst the current issues are the hesitance from the NRL to agree to include a pregnancy and parental leave policy in the new CBA and also to fund private health cover for all NRLW players. It was a bit of an interesting one because it got, it was posted on social media about pregnancy policy and health fund and then the NRL actually released a statement saying, hang on a second, that's not true. It's been part of the discussions. And then the Rugby League Players Association then hit back again and said, we've presented you with this information and you have not included it in, in what you then put forward. Mm. I think with the pregnancy and parental leave policy, they're like, look, we want to do it, but we're not quite ready to commit to it in writing yet and let's work on it moving forward. What? That's concerning. Like, what is that? I don't know. Canberra Raiders player Adam Elliott hinted that the players could look at taking extreme action should the NRL not come to the party with the real potential the opening week of the preseason competition could be interrupted by industrial action. He insisted the players were reluctant to go on strike, but if an agreement could not be reached, they may be left with no choice. His comments came after the NRL and RLPA completed three days of talks aimed at finalising a collective bargaining agreement, what we call the CBA, for the women's competition. Uh, Elliot said, the women's CBA, it's a joke at the moment. We want to talk about equality and trying to bring others up and make the game better and brighter for the future. Those girls do such an amazing job in the community and they're such great role models. We need to do something about it to get them on the same level as us and close to the same level as us and we're not going to sit by and compromise those things. Love that from you, Adiot. Adiot. That's his Adam Elliot combined. It works. In surfing, the Billabong Pipeline Pro has been on hold for most of the week, but the women did manage to get some heats in earlier last week. Sadly, world champ Steph Gilmore was a shock early exit when she crashed out in the elimination heats. 
That early exit puts a premium on performance at the next four events for Gilmore to avoid missing the mid-season cut. And she said after her heat, I feel like I've gone from hero to zero, but surfing has a great way of keeping you humble for sure. It's a bummer way to start the year, but that's sport. That's the way it is, and there's really no better motivation than to have a shocker and want to come back better. Um, if you do, we, I do remember, obviously, Steph missed Pipeline last year because she had COVID, so it's not out of the realms of possibility for Steph to. She's got it in her, doesn't she? 100%. Tyler Wright progressed to the quarterfinals and will face Brazilian Tatiana Weston-Webb. The other Aussie in the quarters is rookie Molly Picklum, who comes up against Hawaiian local Carissa Moore. Picklum has been on fire in the lineup and has nothing to lose against the five-time world champ. Hopefully the surfers get some decent conditions in the next few days and we get to see the women competing at Pumping Pipe. Pumping Pipe. Pumping Pipe. In soccer, the 25-player Matildas squad for the upcoming Cup of Nations campaign was announced last week and all the Aussie stars were on the list. There was one name still missing. However, we've seen a pretty impressive rehabilitation process um, from Ellie Carpenter after her ACL rupture that she suffered in May last year. It's only a matter of time before we see her back in the Matilda squad, but in some pretty exciting news, she made her return to the pitch over the weekend when she came on as a substitute in the 63rd minute for her French club Olympic Lyonnais. Ellie shared an emotional post on her Twitter feed thanking her supporters, writing, very proud and grateful to be back. I've learned a lot during these months about myself. The ones who have been there since day one, thank you. My support system has been second to none. Would not be here without you guys. I'm just getting started. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Thoughts on obviously your expert field, one of the very many fields that you're an expert in is physiotherapy. Is that so 259 days back on the pitch? That's a pretty quick turnaround. So what are we, May? Eight months. Are we in Feb? Yeah. That's quick. That's quick, isn't it? Yeah, very quick. Um, she's obviously worked pretty hard and it's definitely a case-by-case basis for ACLs. I, I don't know whether they've taken into account that being technically a non-contact sport, whether that's different. We do know with ACLs a lot of the time they're a non-contact injury. Anyway, um, pretty speedy recovery. She's obviously worked bloody hard to get back. Tony Gustafsson believes that we know the head coach of the Matildas believes she's one of the best defenders in the world. She is just electric, isn't she? She's quick. Rapid. Rapid. Um, Gustafsson said last week, first of all, I'm so happy for her because I know how much she's put in during rehab. She's been amazing when it comes to how professional she's been. I had the privilege to have a coffee with her actually here in Australia recently when she was back home for a little bit. She's very, very committed to coming back, not just fit, but in form as well. We hope that it's going to be a, an injury story with a happy ending with her running out onto a sold out of course stadium. That was pretty cool news during the week, wasn't it? Awesome news. 83,500 people. Love that. So there's an additional 40,000 people that now get to go and watch the Matildas for their opening World Cup match. I think tickets go on sale on the 24th of Feb. Don't miss out Sydney Siders. Oh, actually people from all over Australia come to Sydney. Yeah, absolutely for a World Cup. Now it's time for the key story. So some more soccer. Last week reports emerged that FIFA were going to accept a sponsorship from Visit Saudi for the upcoming Women's World Cup. This comes only a few months after FIFA's sport washing heavy Men's World Cup held in Qatar. Talk me through sport washing, please, Chloe. So pretty much when there's an organisation or a company who's doing something that may be frowned upon 
by the wider public. A lot of the time, those organizations will then invest money into sports sponsorship in order to try and redeem the image of their brand. Very good. Have I done well there? 10 out of 10. Great. The parties have yet to officially announce the agreement, but the Gulf Nations tourism arm will join Visa and Australia's Commonwealth Bank as sponsors of only the women's tournament. So this is the first time that they've actually separated the, the two tournaments for sponsorship. Saudi Arabia has recently made some smaller moves in women's sport. They financed golf events on the Ladies European Tour last year, but they now appear to be stepping up that involvement. State-backed gas company Aramco will sponsor women's and men's cricket World Cups this year, and there's been some discussion from the England women's team around boycotting the player of the match award, which Aramco have acquired the naming rights for. So Saudi Arabia obviously has a long history of discrimination against females and the Saudi State Tourism Authority operates under a legal system that renders women legal minors throughout their life in a number of ways. Saudi women over the age of 21 can now apply for a passport and travel overseas without permission from their male guardian. However, they are still subject to considerable male-centred legal control relating to marriage, divorce, children's issues and custody. Men can file cases against women for disobedience, forcing women to return to their male guardian or face imprisonment. Same-sex relationships are also illegal in Saudi Arabia. It's pretty confronting. It is very, very confronting. I think they were only granted the permission to hold a license and drive a car, I think, in about 2018, so like four, four years ago or so. We've seen Amnesty International come out and condemn the deal, which I think I I wouldn't have seen them come out and condemn a lot of sports deals in the past. Like it's obviously a it's obviously a significant one, right? So they said the latest this latest reported effort to sports wash the country's appalling human rights record is is both breathtaking and yet entirely predictable. Many have expressed real concerns about the country's history of oppression, both on and off the field. They've largely disregarded women's soccer, only allowing women into stadiums in 2018 and launching a domestic women's league just two years ago. Its women's national team only earned a world ranking last month. (sighs) It's like the more you look at it, the more like it's you really it's quite. Yeah, full on. The Australian Players Union has not ruled out protest action from the Matildas, similar to the Socceroos' statement on Qatar's checkered human rights history before the Men's World Cup. A letter to FIFA, co-written by Football Australia chairman Chris Niku and his New Zealand football counterpart Joanna Wood, expressed a serious disappointment and concern of both federations, according to the Associated Press. The letter reportedly stated, We cannot express strongly enough the potential repercussions and fallout that could result from this decision. Australia and New Zealand, both as sovereign nations and as football associations, have for decades placed the utmost importance on gender equality and have sought to promote these ideals around the world. While we acknowledge some important and positive gender equality reforms have commenced in Saudi Arabia, it remains undeniable under any reasonable standard that the rights of women remain severely restricted. What I also, um, I really loved reading an article by Moya Dodd, who was the, a former Matilda's co-captain, mm-hmm. I think she was. Yep. Um, and she talked about the fact that the fan base for Matilda's, for women's football, is predominantly women and predominantly people who are going to be flying the pride flag. So some of these some of these restrictions that that country have in place for this partnership to go ahead could be very, very damaging for a lot of the fans. Absolutely. Tony Gustafson and Matilda's midfielder Tamika Yallop, who is married to former New Zealand international Kirsty Yallop, were asked about the potential sponsorship 
at a press conference during the week and Gustafsson pointed out the strong position his group has on issues such as gender equality and LGBTQI plus rights. He said, it's too early to comment right now. What I can say though is that I know what these women stand for and what the team stands for and what the federation stands for. As I said, Yallop, who is married to um, New Zealand's national Kirst. Kirsty Yallop noted players were already thinking about what the sponsorship could mean for them. She said it's hard to comment at the minute without anything being confirmed. There's a lot more discussion to be had about it. it as you said, Chloe, it's it's quite, you know, the facts are there. Mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia's treatment of women is appalling um, and how FIFA can even consider having them be one of the major sponsors of a Women's World Cup is mind-boggling it'll be very interesting to see how this one is handled Mm. let's take a look at what to watch this saturday sees a top of the table clash between western united and melbourne city fc in the a-league women the match will kick off at 2 20 p.m at amy park in melbourne and will be live on paramount plus and 10 play also in some quick a-league heat policy news which we discussed last Last week, week week before potentially Um, the Australian Professional Leagues, the APL, will revise their heat policy and potentially reconsider 3pm kickoffs ahead of next season after the recent match in Canberra was played in 35-degree heat and left players unwell. It's not as exciting news as I thought. I don't love it potentially reconsider. I think it's a potential reconsider, but I think it's definitely on the table and common sense will prevail. As long as it's on the table. It's a good start. In Rugby League, this Saturday we'll see the All-Stars match between the New Zealand Maori All-Stars and the Australian Indigenous All-Stars. The game will be played in New Zealand at the Rotorua International Stadium. The match kicks off at 1.30pm AEDT and you can catch it on the Nine Network and Foxtel. It's alarm setting time again for you, Bez, not for me. The Aussie women's cricket team kick off their T20 World Cup campaign this weekend in South Africa. They'll play New Zealand on Sunday morning, our time, with the match starting at 4am AEDT. You can tune in on Foxtel and KO. 4am. Perfect. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And that's the wrap. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, hit subscribe. We'd absolutely love if you could give us a review. Um, We'd love five stars sent our way and and give us a bit of feedback about what you love and and what you'd like to see more of. Chloe crying. I didn't cry today. Yeah, sorry. Must have been your research. (laughs) Need to find more emotional quotes. (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Bye.